going on, Winnipeg fans from all over Canada, all over the United States, or wherever you're listening from. This is the Winnipeg Terminal Podcast. Get ready to board because we're having some fun tonight. I'm Mike. This is Joe. And uh, Joe, I think we've got a, a pretty jam-packed show tonight, huh? Uh, we sure do. And I just want to say before we get into it that I'm very, very glad we're not piloting a plane right now with all the technical issues we've dealt with tonight to get this rolling. We can pretend to be on a piloting a plane tonight, but I'm just gonna happy we're not actually doing that tonight. Otherwise, there'd be a lot of wreckage somewhere. Let's just say we hit some turbulence with a lot of technical issues, um, which, I mean, we've heard in the news many a times a few of the airlines that have had uh, some issues along the way, and apparently the Winnipeg Terminal isn't immune either. So let's just uh, continue the takeoff. And we'll get to cruising altitude, and uh, we'll hit a few less bumps, and we'll, we should have a pretty smooth ride to our destination, which is all of the Jets and Bombers news that you need to know. So what do you say? Let's get to cruising altitude. All right. Let's make this happen. All right. So a lot of news to dive into, but first, let's just kind of acknowledge the fact that all good things must come to an end. And unfortunately, that is what happened against the Flyers, where... The boys lost two to nothing, just couldn't get on the board, but they were never really counted out of that game, which we were talking uh, in one of the technical issues, Joe, um, that, I mean, just the, the fact that they weren't out of the game was a really just a great sight to see. They were still battling, which in years past, they, they really haven't done. If they go down one, it seemed like they were out of the game. So what's the big differences, in your opinion, this year? I think it's just the belief that they they have a belief in themselves. They're showing that they could play a solid defensive team game. And the goals will come and go. Hockey is a weird sport like that where you can do just about everything right and still just have the wrong the things bounce the wrong way and you just end up off the board. Not saying that that's what happened uh, against Philly. Philly's a good team, a better team than mm-hmm. many people gave them credit for at the beginning of the season. But you, you could play a great game and come out on the on the back end in hockey more so than just about any other sport out there. So it's gonna the long winning streaks will take when they come, but you can't count on them to keep to go on forever. Right, and I mean eight games is still solid. And you know, looking at the last, we'll just even say twenty games that they've played has just they've been stellar. You know, there's just it seems like there's no stopping this team and. One of the things that, you know, I don't know about you, but I see all of those money puck odds, you know, all the time. They come up on my Facebook. And I don't want to say the disrespect against the Jets, but, like, it seems like on those money puck odds that they are never the favorites. There's teams that are playing way worse than the the Jets are that have better odds to make a deeper playoff run. And it always blows my mind because – it's not like the Jets are just a very top-heavy team like some other team in Canada, if you catch my drift. Uh, they have a very, very deep team. And while they may not have a, a flashy uh, Connor Bedard or Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, they don't necessarily have one of those uh, generational talents. But what they do have is a group of guys that can score, that can fight hard, and obviously find themselves at the top of the league. And they could play defense, too. That streak of three goals or less is still going on. Mm-hmm. So that one is am- amazing as it is. 
feels a lot more potentially sustainable than a win streak would be. Yeah, especially when you sustain it for 33 games. Like, you know, we're we're halfway through the season now, and for the large majority of it, they've let in three goals or less. And that actually ties uh, Toronto from 1950 to 1951 that season. Uh, there's only a handful of teams that have gone this far and given up three goals or less. And, yeah, I mean, you know, you can give all the credit to the Blue Liners because they are playing out of their minds this year. But it's not just the blue line. They've tightened that up from years past, ever since about the uh, deep run that they had in 2018. But it's also their forwards that are playing just incredible defense too. And we were talking before, that's not that has not been the case historically since in the Thrashers or the Jets, really, um, with their forwards playing as good of defense as they are now. Like, you know, not to knock at Wheeler, but when he was wearing the C and his his boy Shifley never showed up to play defense. But sure, he's he's day to day right now. Uh, but 41 points, 41 games and the offense is there. But the defense from Shifley, this is something that we haven't really seen since he's been drafted here. Obviously, the first draft pick since the Thrashers moved to Winnipeg. But it's it's beautiful to see. That it is. And I. I've seen that list a few times. I don't have it in front of me of what the top five teams. And there's a couple from 1928 and 1929. I mean, what did they do? Forget to put the goals up for a while that year? <laughs> yeah, right. Like they were ridiculous streaks. But I mean, in this day and age where goal scoring is very, very common. I mean, good goaltending is too. I mean, I feel like the players – you. You look at some of the guys now and you could say, oh, well, 20 years ago, maybe they'd be a generational talent or whatever. But now it's just your fourth line grinder, you know. But to have a streak like that in today's game is just incredible, you know. And, you know, to to expand upon that further, too, the Jets are the only team in the NHL right now that have given up 100 or less than 100 goals now. They are at 99, uh, so barring a shutout against Ottawa, it's, that streak is likely going to come to an end, unless, of course, they do shut them out. But nonetheless, we're halfway through the season, and they have not given up 100 goals yet. No, and what's the next team at, uh, 109? Yeah, Los Angeles, the Kings, they're 109. And, I mean, that's that's a 10-goal difference. And uh, if I if memory serves me correctly, the Kings have played two more games than the Jets, too. Or sorry, the Jets have played two more games than the Kings. Uh, but it's another thing, too. We talked about the defense that the, the skaters are playing. But how about the just lights-out goaltending, too? You know, we were talking last week that uh, Hellebuck and Brossois, arguably the best tandem in the league. But when you look at their numbers, I don't think it's even arguable at this point. You know, Hellebuck... 925 save percentage, which that's incredible, and a 219 goals against average. But Brossois, now, of course, he hasn't played as many games, but, I mean, he is literally the same as Hellebuck, pretty much. 923 save percentage and a 218 goals against average. So if we're talking, you know, Connor Vesna buck here, well, look at his backup. His backup's playing just as good as he is. Yeah, there's no drop-off between 
Hellebuck and Brossois. Now, mind you, as a as a as a fan, I'd rather see Hellebuck in the in the net for obvious reasons. Sure, but it's really nice to know that there's not much drop off between one A and one B right now. Oh, absolutely, and like the stats that Brossois is putting up, that could be a, a starting goaltender on just about any team in the NHL right now. Um, if he could sustain that over a longer period of time, of course, he hasn't. He's a backup. He hasn't played as much, but I tell you what, between where when he was in Winnipeg the first time to when he went to Vegas, something must have clicked when he went to Vegas because not to say he was bad when he was in Winnipeg because he wasn't, not by any stretch, but he just he started to become lights out in Vegas and makes a return to Winnipeg, and these are the numbers that he's putting up. I mean, I love this tandem that we have, and that goes back to the money puck odds that I was saying earlier, and it's like the disrespect is so real because we have the depth, you know, and, and we have enough play, enough goal scorers that may not be, like I said, your generational talents, but enough that contribute on the score sheet every single night. And I think that we have at least a very good chance of making a deep playoff run. This team has given me that 2017, 2018 vibes and maybe be able to clear that last hurdle and make it to a Stanley cup final. Yeah. And, and when one guy goes down, another one comes back. We just got Kyle Connor back. Uh, you mentioned Shifley's day to day, much, much better than being out six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. But it was nice to be able to pull him out knowing Connor was coming right back. And that's the thing, you know, you said too, that one guy goes down, the next guy steps up and all of that win streak. I mean, they, they had the next guy stepping up. All of this was without their leading goal scorer. It's just, you know, you, you love to see it. And like I said, there has definitely been a culture change in that locker room. You can see it transpire on the ice and it makes me think last year with bonus when they had the the collapse and it was not to jinx anything but it was around this time of course uh but i think that he was still kind of getting a feel for things of course um and now this year just firing on all cylinders and really just kind of taking this thing by taking the city by storm taking the league by storm you know yeah they had an off season to put to get players in uh, that would fit bonuses system and bonuses persona and what he wants on the ice. The thing that drives me nuts about the NHL in general, well, one of the many things, but the one thing competitively on the ice is that teams are so quick to change their head coach. They don't take the time to build based off of what their head coach wants to do. It's either perform or go away. And it's that quick you can't really do that in a team in a, a team sport like this, where you take where you take a coach uh, coach that wants to do one thing, he gets a year and a half, he's out the door. Well, you just wasted two off seasons. You wasted the off season before and the off season that was before you just pushed him out the door and Brian and somebody that does something completely different. So now you have to spend next off season, the off season after that, giving that new coach pieces and before you fire him, and then you're back to square one. That's mm-hmm. what a lot of NHL teams are caught in and they just won't yeah. change their, they won't sit there and go, okay, we're stuck. Let's get out of this. Let's pick a cornerstone and let's build that way. 
And, you know, to your point, too, like, I mean, I can I think I can speak for a lot of uh, Winnipeg fans, especially myself. And I'm sure that you probably felt the same way um, when, you know, the offseason rolls around after either a barely missing the playoffs or getting bounced in the first round. The first thing that you want is for your team to attack free agency. You see all these big names that go out there and then they sign with other teams. And then some of your puzzle pieces are leaving too. And you sit there like, well, Chevy, what are you doing? Like with your, you just kind of like rubbing your hands together and just not really doing anything. Like, let's, let's figure this out. Let's get someone here, you know? But I think that he is really honest on because there haven't really been big names that have, you know, made a huge splash, you know, like, we're not going out there and signing the big name is what I'm getting at. Uh, but when you look at the top to bottom of our forwards, of our defensemen, I mean, this is like we've been saying, as deep of a team as it gets. And you don't have to have that big name if you have the chemistry and if you have that, that right culture in the locker room, much like we've been seeing, that can translate to some very good things on the ice and you can overcome some of those stars, your McDavid's, your Bedard's, your Ovechkin's, Crosby's, so on and so forth, you know, and we don't have anyone that's necessarily like on that level, we'll say, or an Austin Matthews, but we do have Kyle Connor. We have Mark Shifley, you know, those guys that are your constant goal scorers. But then you look at the score sheet and you see someone new on the score sheet every night. And it's, it just goes to show how deep the team is. You can beat that term all you want, but it just, it's true. Yeah. You've got, you've got players up and down the second line, the third line that can put the puck in the net when it cut, when it, when they have opportunities to, they're going to find ways to make those opportunities as well. And even if the opportunities aren't there, they're not going to cost you goals because they're out of position. They're going to get back. They're going to play some solid defense reload try to make try to make something happen the next time around and you know what i i really like uh this year as opposed to uh you know years past too um when say that uh paul maurice or even uh rick bonus uh when they have to juggle lines for injuries or you know any sort of reason to juggle lines up until this year it always seemed that the lines being juggled around either caused tension or it just, they didn't jive well together on the ice. And you heard time and time again about Wheeler and Shifley getting, if they're getting split up, you know, like there's, there's all that tension that was there, but now anytime that you need to juggle the lines, it seems like the, the boys have all the chemistry in the world. It seems like they've been playing on the same line for years, you know? And yeah. That's that's another thing, too, is just that's why I think there's that culture shift. Of course, you don't know until you're behind those closed doors. Uh, but I, I do think that from what they've been putting out on the ice, I think that there has been some sort of culture shift. Yeah, there's something going on that's better than what was happening last year, because last year, about March, you just saw the million mile stare from us from a few players. Just like, what is going mm -hmm. on? with no real changes made to try to try to fix what was wrong. I was hoping yeah. they were making attempts to identify what was wrong, but they weren't making any drastic moves. But that got kind of goes 
back to my my point with the head coaches is bonus didn't have the pieces that last year that fit what he wanted to do there were some outliers and from the looks of it the players that didn't fit what he wanted to do are now somewhere else he's got guys that want to be in his system want to want to play that way and it's just night and day and i think dubois might be one of those because we were talking before the show that at this point i wouldn't even trade velarde for dubois one for one i wouldn't and I don't think that a lot of uh, I don't think a lot of Winnipeg fans would want that either. Uh, but now we've we've talked about the past, and I want to look forward now. Um, you know, wrapping up the the homestand with a big win after a pretty tough loss. You know, it's it's great to end the homestand with a win. Now they're going out east, uh, and one thing that has struggled. You know, the Jets have been firing on all cylinders, but they've really kind of struggled on the power play uh, with the Jets, their power play 17% ranking 23rd in the league. And for a team that is second in goal differential and for a team that is at the top of the standings, you would like to be ranking a little higher than 23rd uh, in your power play. Now I'd like to see that at least at 20%, of course, but you know, sometimes the best way to get it going is to face someone who is equally weak in special teams uh, going the other way. Ottawa, their penalty kill, 72% and uh, ranked 31st in the league. And, you know, I think that uh, especially getting Kyle Connor back, you know, I think that uh, should start to see a little bit of an improvement in the power play. Uh, but, you know, maybe get it going. You know, if Ottawa takes a penalty, whether it's a good penalty or a bad one, get get something going, get momentum on special teams, and that'll that'll go a long way because part of this trip is Boston and Toronto, so they've got a tough road trip. They do. Uh, they certainly do. Um, facing Ottawa first is a good way to start, though. And they have been moving the puck better and keeping the puck better on the on the power play lately. Mm-hmm. Haven't had a lot of results out of it yet, but you're seeing them start to build something. And if they can continue to improve on it, they're going to get back into about the middle of the pack in the league by around the trade deadline, hopefully. Percentages are tough to jack up immediately, but you work on them slowly, slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. Now Boston's this is going to be a tough, going to be a tough nut. I do remember Winnipeg having a really nice night against them in Winnipeg, but in Boston's going to be harder. Right. Toronto game is going to be very interesting. Yeah, that will be interesting. Now, um, this is going a little bit off uh, off script here, off a tangent, but you were mentioning the trade deadline, and of course, there's all the rumors that are out there, and we're not here to start new rumors, but we are here to maybe banter a little bit about them. And what I mean by that is of all of the rumors that you see out there, who would you most like to see come to the Jets and what would you be willing to give up? Do you mess with this team? (laughs) That's what I was thinking too. Like, you know, you you hear, and of course, if it was like six years ago, you'd get a lot more excited about a, a name like Patrick Kane, of course. But, uh, like, I don't know if you mess with them. They are playing such great hockey right now. You know, I 
I don't know if you want to mess with the chemistry just for the sake of bringing in a superstar rental. No, and it, and I don't think there's anybody out there that would greatly improve that team for the value that we have to give up on that. I just don't see it. Yeah, like, you know, asking price for uh, Gensel, for example, because he's apparently on the trading block and it looks like he might be, or at least one of the rumors anyways, is that he would be heading to Vancouver, which that, of course, would conflict the, the Jets in the Western Conference, uh, being that Vancouver is right on our heels. Uh, but, you know, the, the asking price, it seems like it would be a first rounder and NHL ready player and a top prospect. That's a haul to give up for the sake of a rental. You know, I, I don't know if, if I'd want to do that because, you know, think about going into this season, how many question marks there were and the jets were probably the most intriguing team because we don't have that superstar. We don't have that, like we said, Austin Matthews, Connor Bedard, or Connor McDavid. Uh, and there was the contract situation with Shifley and Hellebuck, and everyone was wondering and a little perplexed as to where this season was going to go. And I'll be honest, if you ask me, I would have not thought on January 17th that the Jets would be at the top of the league. Uh, I would have thought once they signed uh, those extensions, I would have thought, okay, they're keeping the core together. They're at least going to be maybe a wild card team, maybe top three in the division. But, uh, man, they are just fire on all cylinders. And like you said, I don't know if I would uh, if I would touch this team. I like no, what you put together. Right. And being, being that it's Winnipeg, you're looking for players that want to be there. Some players oh, yeah. value the lifestyle. They value being in a warm climate. They value being in a big city. Those aren't the players that are going to come to Winnipeg. You want to find right. guys like Nino Niederreiter that come, look around and go, I want to be here. This place is awesome to play hockey in. Yeah. like I, That's what I love about Nino because you always hear about the negative lack of Wi-Fi or it's cold and, and all that fun stuff. But uh that, that know, one makes me laugh the most because like you play hockey for a living you're used to being cold just deal with it yeah and uh then you have nino that's like this place is awesome you know they treat you really well as a hockey player and i mean he's he's very true in everything that he's saying and it's nice to have that positive publicity instead of the opposing players who say oh well the city sucks because there's nothing to do you know i mean when you're going, when you're an opposing team, you go to the city and sure, you might go out on the town or whatever after a, a night, maybe you have like a couple days off or whatever, but it's not like you're living there or whatever for, you know, the long term. So you don't really know what the city's about unless you are there, you know? So I just, that that's yeah, why that one. Has a couple of other towners ourselves, right? Yeah. Right. We, not like we are any experts on it, but we go there a lot. Uh, but, I mean, we're talking about how great of a city Winnipeg is, and we both live in Wisconsin. <laughs> right. So, uh, one of the uh, – well, speaking of Wisconsinites, uh, this is – I was actually going to talk about Adam Lowry before, but let's just talk about uh, the Wisconsinite that's on the Jets, Mason Appleton, finally breaking that 25-goal game drought. 
25-game goal drought. There we go. Said that backwards. Kick me out. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't touch it. You were saying nice things about a Wisconsinite. I wasn't going to stop you. <laughs> I was like, I was kind of surprised with that. But, hey, that's a little bit of turbulence that we hit. But now uh, talking about Mason Appleton firing on all cylinders right now because he broke the drought. He just had a birthday. And I will say this just because I'm happy with the result. I might not necessarily be a fan of the Packers, even though I live in Wisconsin. Uh, I know Mason Appleton is, and Packers didn't just beat Dallas, but whew, did they beat them? <laughs> it was not pretty. I mean, it kind of got a little close towards the end, I guess. But, uh, man, most of that game was just a mugging. That was so. enjoyable to watch for me. I know a lot of our <laughs> viewers are in Winnipeg. They Minnesota's the closest team. A lot of them are Vikings fans, but – at least they may be able to appreciate the fact that Dallas got their butts kicked. We don't even have to mention who beat them or anything like that. But Yeah, I think anyone that's not a Cowboys fan enjoyed that game, especially since Dallas was a two seed and Green Bay was a seven seed. That, yeah. was, that was nice, too. That was <laughs> a lot of fun. It was just a fun, fun watch. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that uh, Mason was enjoying every minute of that, too. Um, we already talked about, uh, Shifley, you know, day to day, of course, but 41 points in 41 games. So that's a, that's a big loss, but you know, one person goes down, next person steps up and that's where leadership comes into play. And I mean, our captain leading from the front six points, five of those assists, one goal, of course, in the last five games going into this uh, game against Ottawa. So, I mean, I think the, the captain is uh, leading from the front. I think that, uh, you know, he keeps playing like that. I think the rest of the team is going to follow suit. And it's, it's going to be a, a tough matchup against Boston in their own barn and Toronto against their own or in their own barn. But uh, I, I'm confident about this road trip. Yeah, there's going to be a really interesting clash of styles between Toronto and Winnipeg, too. Because oh, yeah. as we mentioned last week, Toronto is very front-loaded, weaker on the backside. Winnipeg is very strong on the defensive, facing up against their strength, and are mm-hmm. strong enough on the offensive side to give, well, let's face it, Columbus is giving Toronto fits off on defense. So <laughs> who's, who's not going to? Right. And, I mean, like, Toronto has been in some sort of special hell with their goaltending anyways. So... <laughs> We'll just leave it at that. We'll leave it at that because watch in a week it'll they'll have one seven to two. Winnipeg's like, where did our streak go? And well, we'll be sad. Yeah. Well, we were just talking football, so might as well circle back to this. Um, now, of course, there's I, there's plenty of bombers news, and we were joking about that earlier today. We we're like, you know, of course, it's the middle of the season for. NHL, but there might be more Bombers news than uh, Jets news. So uh, first off, I mean, this might seem trivial, but it does open up a can of worms to a debate that's going on in the NFL. Um, And as we've alluded to, uh, it has 
presented some problems in the past, but Investors Group Field is getting new turf. So does that do you think that uh, the new turf is going to, you know, is going to play a factor? Do you think that they should go grass or because that's obviously the big debate in the NFL right now? Yeah, I think that I think probably the safer play in Canada as far as being able to keep the field in a decent shape would be field turf. Just simply hard with how how harsh the winters would be to be able to make a grass field work work as well as you'd want it to. Uh, just be nice to get a new set because I, I actually got to walk the field after the Banjo Bowl, um, actually mm. the day after. There was a fan appreciation event the next day that we ended up going to the stadium for and got to walk on the field. And I'm just like, ooh, this is this is in worse shape than I thought it was. So clearly they agree because they decided to replace it. Yeah, maybe uh, high, some high school fields are in better shape. <laughs> well, if we're talking about Texas high school fields, I think they get most of their stadiums are like state of the art these days, aren't they? Texas high school football, I feel like some of you see pictures of some of those uh, stadiums, and good God, they're bigger than some college ones, and look like, it's kind of like, uh, you know, at UND, the Ralph, and that, that hurts as a St. Cloud State fan to say, uh, but looking at the Ralph, they have such a nice barn, and it's better than some NHL arenas. Yeah, and some of their talent keeps trickling into into the NHL too. As much as I dislike that as well, being a Wisconsin fan, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that we can have. I miss that rivalry. Team. I miss that rivalry being as hot as it was at one point. You know what? I think. Oh yeah, I am wearing my uh, St. Cloud State attire as well. <laughs> so here I that's, am talking about UND. That's two straight weeks we've made a WCHA reference. Yep, and. Well, I mean, when uh, when you're a St. Cloud State alum, they're they're, you know, the college hockey topic is going to come out eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, uh, it's it, it's just the way they re they rearranged everything when the Big Ten decided to make a co- college hockey conference just kind of wrecked it all for me. Yeah, no, I I get that. Now talking about uh, you know debates that are going on in the NFL and of course. Uh, talking about the CFL, it's kind of the point of this. Um, a familiar face has been rumored to make a return. Now, I want to get your thoughts on this first. Okay. Uh, Chris Streveler is looking for work, uh, looking for a quarterback position. He did come back to Winnipeg for the Banjo Bowl weekend. Um had a very pop couple of popular autograph signings. Basically a living legend in Winnipeg and could probably write his own ticket. I'd be interested to see if there's other teams interested in him in the CFL. Because if there is, other teams may have the salary cap wiggle room more than Winnipeg would. That's now, Winnipeg's had, Winnipeg's had Stanley Bryant resign for a lesser deal. Kenny Lawler's renegotiated to bring down some, to get some cap room open. Brady Oliveira and Dalton Schoen are both free agents. Who knows where they go, if they come back, or what or what happens with them. But Winnipeg's not going to be a team that's going to be able to throw 150 k at a third-down quarterback. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, it, it would be great. It would be a nice sentimental reunion. Um, 
but also he's five years older than when he was here for the Grey Cup in 2019, of course, or yeah, five years older. I had to do math there for a second. <laughs> um, and so I, I did an interesting little comparison um, where his NFL career, we'll call it, uh, you know, spanning nine games between the Jets and the Cardinals, um, never started a game, but he did appear in nine. And he went 27 for 40, which honestly is a pretty decent completion percentage, 67.5% for 231 yards. Now, let's just pretend that this is one game. Uh, you know, 231 yards might not necessarily be that great, um, you know, with 40 pass attempts, but a little less than uh, 10 yards per uh, per pass, completed pass. Um, one touchdown and one pick. Now, when I was looking at his stats from 2019, like you had mentioned, third down uh, quarterback, he's going to throw some picks, but I kind of forgot how many picks that he threw. I knew that it was a little more than his touchdowns. Um, I think his rushing touchdowns kind of overshadowed that a little bit. Uh, but in 2019, he played 17 games, started seven. 156 for 234, so that's 66.7 completion percentage, which very uh, consistent with what he did in the NFL, too. 1,564 yards. Uh, that's actually not bad. That's about 10 yards per pass, uh, completed pass. And actually, that would be, what? yeah, 10.4 yards. My math is correct. Um, eight touchdowns and 14 picks. Uh, you know, that's, that's where you get a little antsy. Uh, but like I said, his rushing touchdowns overshadowing that a little bit, uh, 12 in 2019. So not yeah, to say that, that, that team in the red zone was run first, run second, run third. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from him because he was a, a big part, you know, a big part in that, uh, gray cup in 2019, but, is is it going to be worth trying to finagle a little bit more of that salary cap? Yeah, I'd be thrilled to see him back if he'll take somewhere close to what Dakota Prukop's taking because Dakota's had that role for the last couple of years. Um, but I, it's, it's just not – it's a luxury item that the Bombers probably couldn't afford. And at this point, five years later, the body's not going to be quite as able to take all the hits that that – job entails too yeah no kidding and um yeah so now you were mentioning about uh stanley bryant too um uh, speaking of getting older um took a pay cut though yep just i i that this team adam big hill did it a couple years ago he took a really big one from what i understand just to stay in Winnipeg, stay with this group, and try to win as many great cups as they could. I still circle 2025, November 2025 on my calendar, because that's going to be the end of this core group's run. Mm -hmm. A lot of players are going to retire so. after it. A lot of a lot of new blood will be in after that. Hopefully it's a reloading situation because we still have we still have the full front office. Mm -hmm. Which is amazing, considering in November where they can cut. Walters might be gone. 
somebody's going to be interviewing Gabea, McManus. They could lose all three, probably not all three, but a big chunk of their personnel grouping that's been so fantastic and come in January and they're locked in. That's just, that's the best Christmas present a Bomber fan could have beyond Brady and Dalton's re-signing as well. (laughs) And I mean, I think too that uh, in 2025, like, I think that they're just going to go all in and, you know, even with the core that they have, I mean, you don't want to say the window is going to close after that, but it's a very good possibility that it will. And right. I, I don't think, I don't think you have many left of Zach Kolaros, Stanley Bryant, Jamarcus Hardrick, Willie Jefferson, Jackson, Jeff Code, Adam Big Hill. I don't think any of those guys, maybe one or two, but the vast majority be gone in less than 24 months so they're going to do everything they can to win the next two they may need some time to reload after that hopefully not long hopefully it's not a 30-year drought no let's let's not see that (laughs) i'd prefer not to but um even showing up halfway through that was unpleasant yeah right no um Another, you know, pay cut that ended up because of a bonus, I guess, too, but also it freed up some some cap room. Kenny Lawler's restructured, too. Um, You know, last year uh, caught 50 passes for 901 yards and uh, six TDs in 12 games. That's 901 yards. Wow. That's I was blown away by that, but. Um, once he got once he got back in the lineup last year, he was the deep threat. Oh that, yeah, it really changed the dynamic of how that offense worked. Because Dalton Schoen was the deep threat the year before, and still kind of was afterwards, but a lot less so once Kenny got to be the deep guy. Yeah, and originally slated to earn three hundred ten thousand uh, dollars, now earning two eighty five. Uh, so not much of a pay cut, but enough you know and anything and helps. like five million or so any little bit helps exactly that's exactly where i was going with that and i mean two-time west division all-star one-time cfl all-star and obviously two-time gray cup champ so that's a a big big resume that you got and you know for him to to restructure the the contract like that it it just goes to show to our original point that they really are going to go all in uh, going into the next this year and next year. Yeah. And what was it? it, And this was, this organization was in the same spot that the jets were in the last couple of years where free agents were going to make you spend a premium to have them come. I remember Nick Moore being the big signing like 2015 or so he was paid top receiver money and he was at best a third receiver in the league yep but that's the kind of money you had to give to guys to come to winnipeg because the culture hadn't been built yet that's an interesting point you make about the jets too when we were talking about how nino was like putting that like telling the the media and everything how great of a, a city winnipeg is to play in and that you know hearing something like that from a guy that's in the trenches, such as Nino, of course. Uh, do you think that something like that, plus the culture change that we've seen in the locker room, 
do you think that is going to attract other talent to Winnipeg eventually? It's the it's a definitely a step in the right direction to have somebody selling Winnipeg as a place to come play hockey. And winning cures a lot of other problems. Yeah. So if they can have a nice season, finish first or second in the division, win a playoff round or two or three or four, that'd be great too. But hey, yeah. Just show that you're a top five to eight in the league. You get a lot more attention than you would if you're sitting around 16. Mm-hmm. And when you're sitting around anywhere between like 12 and 20, there's not a lot to break the ties between the two. So it, it, that's the, that's the type of when you're in that rut, you're going to have a player say, I'd rather go to Miami. And mm-hmm. I'll play for the 14th best team instead of the 12th best team because I'm in Miami instead of here. Yeah. Well, if you're, if you're up in the upper crust of the league, that's not a consider. That's a less of a consideration at that point, right? And you know, the team that comes to mind uh, was actually the Pittsburgh Penguins, believe it or not, because they had they were in danger of being sold, uh, you know, and ended up re- potentially relocating. Um, but of course, Mario Lemieux steps in, and that team nobody wanted to go because that team was so bad. And then all of a sudden, you get a guy like Crosby, you get a guy like Malkin and Latang. Uh, those guys have been playing together for so long and selling the city. And, you know, and this is coming from a guy who hates the Penguins, believe it or not. Um, but, you know, then all of a sudden, all this talent wanted to show up in Pittsburgh because they had that winning culture. And like you said, winning solves a lot of problems. And it was just, uh, you know, the city of Pittsburgh itself is coming from a guy who lived there. Uh, you know, rains a lot. It may not necessarily be the cleanest city in the world, but I love it. You know, and if you can look past the rain and yeah, maybe the city's not the cleanest, but it does have its positives too. And when you shine light on the positives instead of the negatives, it becomes more attractive. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot easier to look for the positives when the team's doing well and you got a chance to be part of something special. Very much so. And yeah, Penguins had a pretty special run. Them and uh, Chicago in the 2010s. <laughs> yeah, that one hurts. Both of those teams, mm-hmm. I hate them both. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, let's switch gears to something a little lighthearted. We'll uh, make yes, our initial... Please, let's, let, let me forget that Chicago was good at something. Yeah, let's, uh, let's start our initial descent and... Uh, Wanted to talk about our uh, maybe some of the cities that we've seen the Jets play in, maybe a couple trips that we've made or plan to make. Um, Joe, I'll start with you on this one, though. Well, I, I, I'm going to have to be completely honest. I've seen the Jets play once. Oh, really? That was in Winnipeg in like March of 2014. Okay. A trip to specifically see the Jets because, I mean, and the 2013 bomber season was nothing special. And I was just getting back into the habit of traveling to Canada at that point. So it's like, oh, let's go see the Jets first. The next year I hit, I hit the Grey cup and I've just been great cupping ever since. Plus a few other games here and there when the travels hit. So I've seen games in all nine CFL cities. Loved them all. There's something positive in all of them. Yes. Even Regina. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, so that's where 
the vast majority of my traveling's been, but I am looking at the calendar right now, seeing that the Jets are in Minnesota. Minnesota's 90 minutes away from us. I might have a trip to make a day trip or even an overnighter, but probably a day trip. It's a three o'clock start in early April. So that might have to be a thing this year. I think that would be a lot of fun too. (laughs) Yeah, that, um, oh boy, as far as where I've seen the Jets play, um, I obviously go to most games at Canada Life Center or Bell MTS Place, whatever you want to call it. Um, I I always slip the tongue and call it Bell MTS Place. Um, but I have watched them in Minnesota many of times too. And there was one time where this was actually kind of funny. It was a couple of years ago. Um, Minnesota was not making the playoffs this game was like first week of April. Uh, so it was like the, the end of the season. And there, there was this uh, lady and her kid that were in front of me. And uh, anyway, so of course I'm repping the Jets jersey. And uh, game was, Comrie was in net if that, you know, gives you an indication as to how the game went. Um, it was like five to nothing or whatever. And Minnesota was just, stomping us and so anyways uh i'm still cheering for the jets whatever and this little kid he's probably like six years old it's actually kind of cute he's like turning around and like yelling and saying like ah jets suck and stuff like that and uh like honestly like i I thought it was kind of cute or whatever well anyways minnesota scored their uh fifth goal and it was just like whatever and so i started clapping i was like we'll see you in the playoffs oh wait and then the lady turns around. She's like, that's enough. And I was like, what? What did I do? And like, she's, her kid's yelling at me. And I don't care. Like I said, I, I kind of enjoyed it. But uh, her kid is yelling at some stranger that's sitting behind him. And uh, anyways, and she makes it out to be my fault because I made a comment about the team. Don't forget the refs always catch the retaliation. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, but, uh, yeah, I always like to go see them in Minnesota. Wild fans are actually pretty cool. Um, But then uh, I did go see them in Boston in 2020. Um, That was actually really cool. Uh, That was right after the Patriots got eliminated by the Titans. And so the Jets ended up losing. It was a close game, but they lost. Uh, Yeah, I I seem to have a bad streak about away, Barnes. Oh, but, oh, oh, my bomber's record for a while was abysmal. It's getting better <laughs> lately. But when you start your bomber's uh, watching career with three straight Labor Days, you're just signing up for that. <laughs> That's and then fair. the fourth was in Tim Horton's field when mm-hmm. the bombers were awful. So, I mean, yeah, game choice, game selections on my part were not great for a while. <laughs> yeah, I um, anytime, and this is probably uh i'm surprised they haven't gotten beat up yet or anything but uh i anytime that like the the jets lose or whatever i try to find that like little dig if someone's digging at me i'll I'll dig back or whatever so of course you know it's boston and the fans are you know heckling me or whatever because i'm the only jets fan in this section and uh anyways so it's it's whatever but um anyways after boston scored an empty net i stood up and i was like Go Titans! And mind you, this is right after the Patriots got eliminated from the playoffs. And 
guy next to me as he says a few words that maybe not necessarily be safe to say on the podcast or whatever, but uh, he basically said that I have, uh, yes, we'll just leave it at that. And so he ends up inviting me out for beers afterwards. And so we go to this place called, I think it's called Banners or Banner or something like that. It's right outside of TD, the garden. And uh, anyways, then we're sitting, it's a it's actually a really nice bar. Um, I'm the only Jets fan in here, though. Everyone's wearing black and yellow, and everyone's coming up and talking to me or whatever. Like, oh, did you come here from Winnipeg? Well, not quite. Um, but I've then, had that. I've had that walking out of a couple of stadiums, Regina and Hamilton. Let's be. Let's just be clear. Hey, you got a long ride home. It's like you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I live. I mean, it was for all intents and purposes. I mean, I flew to Boston, so it's pretty much the same trip home because I flew out of Minnesota. But um, yeah. anyways, in this bar was, it was during the mom's trip uh, for uh, like, I guess it was their home game that the moms like finished their trip or whatever in Boston. Uh, so David Posternock is in this bar with his family. And of course, like, it's not like I could talk to him or anything, but uh, cause they had like a section kind of blocked off, but it was oh. kind of cool. Uh, to just see him chilling there. Um, but that was probably one of my more memorable trips uh, going to Boston. Like I said, seen him in Minnesota, seen them in Edmonton, um, where else? Pittsburgh, Washington. And I think that's it. I can't remember any other place that I had seen them. I would like to go to a game uh, where the Jets play Chicago at the United Center. And I also want to see them uh, play Montreal at the Bell Center. I think those yeah, two. That was on the list. Yep. That yeah. Be on the list. Like it's uh, I, like I have a C. I have I I have or had a CFL list like this long and like hey if I can attach something to it down here that'd be great too. But like mm-hmm. I'm starting to check a lot of the CFL boxes, so I may have to start diverting a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but. I don't know when my next trip is going to be just because, well, I I don't remember if I announced it last week, but the wife and I are expecting a baby and uh, she is due in March. So yeah, I probably won't be taking uh, those trips anytime soon. Maybe, maybe next year. Yeah. You've got, you've got, you've got some life ahead of you. Yeah. So a lot of it will be good. A lot of it you'll be shaking your head going, why did I do this again? (laughs) <laughs> yeah and she's she's gonna grow up in a Steelers household she's gonna grow up in a Jets Winnipeg Jets that is household uh so she is going to be a Jets fan she's going to be a Steelers fan and she is unfortunately going to be a Pirates fan maybe by the time she's an old lady she'll see a World Series win <laughs> maybe uh, yeah I, I don't know if I can buy that well, at least Bob Nutting won't be the owner anymore. <laughs> Someday. Yeah, by the time that my daughter is an old lady, hopefully the Nutting family doesn't own the Pirates anymore. I'd be very shocked if they did at that point. <laughs> All right, well, any closing remarks? No, I'm just looking forward to to continuing to grow this and seeing where, where it takes us. I'm excited, too, and uh, excited for this road trip. And... Uh, 
think the uh, think the boys will do pretty well. So it remains to be seen. We'll catch you here next week. This is the Winnipeg Terminal, clear for landing for the dub. Go Jets, go!